That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. So, here we are. Uh, we are in the season of Epiphany. This is very exciting, a season that is all about revelation and uh, the great idea that God has come to save not just the Jew, but the Gentile. And so we are in this season. Uh, Some people want to move the feast day up from January 6th to celebrate the wise men, but really January 10th stands on its own, the first Sunday after Epiphany. Um, It stands on its own, and it's very important because there are three major epiphanies happening that are emphasized in this season. The first is the the wise men, and if you want to preach on that, you can go back to our our episode from last week. Um, Then um, you have the baptism of Jesus where the dove descends upon him and we hear that this is my well-beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then finally you have the last Sunday of Epiphany, which is always the transfiguration. And so, but this whole season, all of these readings are about revelation and uh, the, uh, the revelation that God has come to save us all. Yep. And so you will probably want to do a little work for your congregation to help them know what Epiphany is because a lot of people... You know, they've been celebrating Christmas since uh, November 1st, and they don't really know that they were a little <laughs> early and that Christmas was 12 days and that just ended the week prior now, and now we're your January 10th. And there was something called Epiphany, because now it's the Sunday after Epiphany, and what was Epiphany? So you will probably have to explain, again, Epiphany meaning revealing, and it's revealing who Jesus is, and the first one, as Jake said, that he's for everybody, for the Gentiles, and then we get these subsequent revelations. But I think the other thing to remember just pastorally about where your congregation is now uh, everybody's exhausted. Uh, they're all, everybody's always exhausted early January because the holidays mm. have been such a gauntlet. Now, our holiday celebrations have been toned down during this pandemic time, but everybody's still exhausted because of the pandemic time and just the grief and the collective trauma and all that. So that's there. But also, I think what's here is that the new year is always a time when you had two things happen that might bring new people into your church. You had New Year's resolutions for people that want to get back to the Lord and start going to church again. And you had people that came to your church on Christmas Eve, because it was Christmas Eve, and they were like, huh, that didn't suck, and maybe I'll keep coming back. So you you might have new people both in person or in your live stream services or whatever you're doing. Uh, and so just be sensitive to them as they preach. So that's why I say you will have to explain what Epiphany is, because if you are like me, an Episcopalian in the Baptist wilderness or whatever, I mean, there's just, or in a, a kind of post-Christian wilderness, wherever you're serving, there's just a lot of people that don't know Epiphany is a thing. And if you just mm. launch into your sermon like, we're now in the season of Epiphany, you just have just yeah. blown way past a ton of people. It's just right over their heads. So you have to define your terms a little bit, talk about what happened on January 6th with the Magi, and now you get another thing. And you can talk about the baptism of Jesus, one of the major feast days in the church year. Mm. And it's a big deal. Uh, there's so much to talk about. I love this. Uh, we're in a rich sort of season here in, in the church. Oh. As we are now kind of 
it's Epiphany, and before you know it, it's going to be Lent, and then it's going to be Easter. And so these are kind of where all the, the, the greatest hits of Jesus sort of come fast and furious before mm. we hit the summer doldrums. So anyways, <laughs> that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. Tell people what Epiphany is, and let's talk about the baptism of Jesus. And we have the readings begin with Genesis 1, and then we have, have um, Genesis 1, the creation story, just the first five verses of that. Then we have Mark chapter 1. So Mark, who tells the story of Jesus' life in his gospel with no no baby Jesus, no birth narrative, no nothing, no Mary and angels and virgins and all that sort of stuff, just straight into Jesus getting baptized by John. Um, and so, and then before that, I, I forgot to say, we have a reading from Acts chapter 19, which is uh, Paul uh, talking uh, with Apollos in Corinth, and they're talking about baptism. So we'll come this to is, that. Uh, in a this second. is important. This is important, yeah. It's a very important passage. So the, the whole theme of the whole day is that Jesus gets baptized by John the River Jordan. The collect of the day says, Father in heaven, who with the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And then grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made. So this is definitely a day where if you are in person and can do baptisms, this is a day that it is done. Um, and, but even if you can't, you'll want to talk about the baptism of Jesus because that is the theme of the day. There's really nothing else to, to talk about. So it begins with Genesis 1, uh, and I sort of think about them being like, hmm, Jesus got baptized. What can we talk about in the Old Testament that connects with that? And so they pick this, and it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good choice because here you have um, the Spirit of God. You have a Trinitarian description of God in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and actually the mm-hmm. first five verses of the Hebrew scriptures have this, what Christians would later come to call a Trinitarian understanding of God. So you have God, the Father, the first person of the Trinity, creating the heavens and the earth. You have the wind from God, which in Hebrew, as people love to say, ruach, the spirit of God, is the same word as wind. And, uh, excuse me, I have to go blow my nose. Um, that, that spirit of God is over the water, <laughs> over the waters. And then you hear, have God say, let there be light. And so this speaking, yeah. this is the word of God. So you have Father, Spirit, flesh. and the word, which becomes flesh, and is baptized. And so, but also the water here is very powerful because Jesus, when he gets into the water in his baptism, and you have the voice of God the Father, you have the Spirit showing up as well, and you have Jesus. Again, it, it's, it evokes all of this stuff from Genesis 1 through mm-hmm. 5. It's, it's very deep, and it's very profound. But um, And again, it take some work to explain to your congregation because they'll be like why are we reading from genesis one about the creation of the world like there's there yeah give me some new year's like uh motivation for my resolutions what are we talking about this so no and that's very important too because god uh god when he speaks he creates you know and that's something that's uh that's that's really needs to be emphasized here and so especially if you're doing baptism uh when um god speaks uh, he creates, and in this in this water, he pours the spirit into our hearts, um, by which he then creates faith, and so and uh, indeed uh, transferring you from uh, darkness and into light. And, and so, but um, yeah. I was going to say, what's cool if you are doing a baptism on this day, and you are using the Episcopal Church's Book of Common Prayer. You will over the blessing, like over the. There's a part called mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving over the water, and um, as you pour the water into the font or stand near the font or the baptistry or whatever tub you're using, uh, you'll say, uh, um, 
that over you'll talk about water and the way God works through water throughout the biblical story. So, and you'll mention this part of the Spirit being over the waters in creation. You'll mention also the people of Israel going through water when they escaped from Egypt, and you will mention the baptism of Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. So, that's right. This this the readings for this Sunday connect to that liturgy so explicitly and clearly that if you can do a baptism, it's pretty cool because you're showing them you didn't just kind of the liturgy isn't just this made up thing. It's it's drawing directly from the scriptures and in particular these very ones. So, I uh, love that. Yeah. So now we move. That's very to, good. Yeah. You know. Acts chapter nine verses one through seven and this chapter is very, nineteen. Very, nineteen verses one through seven and this is a very important passage especially, um, I think, to kind of set up the gospel, the gospel reading. Because here, so there's a lot of confusion about what is John the Baptist baptism. And uh, is it a Christian baptism? What is it? And uh, here we see this being explained in uh, this interaction with um, Apollos and Paul when they pass through Ephesus. And um, you see them, and uh, they come into contact with these folks, and uh, they're like, into what were you baptized? And they answered, we were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul is going to lay out what is the difference here. John's baptism is a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is in Jesus. And so, but that, um, that, that, that baptism uh, points to Jesus. And on he, but it is, it's, it's not, it's different. It's not a Christian baptism. And on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what is this going on right here? I thought we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear people say, oh, I baptize in Jesus' name. What's going on here in Acts chapter 19 is shorthand for in the name of Jesus, uh, you're being baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because as it points out in Genesis, all three work together in this thing. And so uh, when Paul laid his hands on him, then they received the Holy Spirit. So they were baptized, and then he like laid his hands on them, anointing them with oil, all of that. And they spoke in tongues. They like immediately uh, burst into praying in all sorts of languages and prophesied, a.k.a. they spoke about the great things that Jesus uh, was doing. And it's interesting here that there was about 12 of them. But this passage is very powerful and important and that it sets up what's happening in Mark chapter 1. So that people begin to understand, because the question will inevitably come up, well, if Jesus was sinless, why then does he need to be baptized? You know, and that's a very good thing and might be something you want to address in your sermon as we move into Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. But Aaron, before we go, there's anything you wanted to say about Acts? Well, I think it's really interesting in this story of the early church. Uh, and again, thinking about newcomers in your church, they may not even know the chronology here because it's beginning in the middle of the book of Acts, which maybe they've never read or heard of. And um, so you can tell people just that it is the story of the early disciples uh, spreading the message of Jesus in the Roman world in the first century. And it, the message has now gone from just the Middle East now into Turkey, which is where Ephesus is, and into Corinth, which is Greece. So now they're in the gospel in one generation has gone now to Europe. But what's interesting here is that in Ephesus, they meet these people who have received the baptism of John, meaning that way, way, way back in Jesus's ministry. So this, you know, this is probably in the 60s AD. So um, 30 years ago, there were some Jewish folks who now live in Ephesus. So they were part of the Jewish diaspora. Maybe they had traveled to Israel for... Uh, 
for a festival for for one of the major feasts uh, and worship in the temple. And there they heard about this prophet and they said, well, we better go see him. And they repented of their sins. They were baptized for repentance of their sins, John's baptism. Now, so they've been waiting for three decades or maybe two decades. We're not, you know, the timing um, could be some uh, um, leeway around that. But here they are having, having gotten John's baptism, which is basically, I will get better. And I'm making a public display of how I will get better by getting baptized. And... They have been living all that while, not really realizing that there's actually more here. So, I mean, I think that's what I would say in a mm-hmm. talk about how, how amazing it is that John's influence spread so far, and also how sometimes how long we have to wait before we kind of come to a fuller understanding of what God is doing in our lives. But that doesn't mean that God has forgotten us or has let us go mm-hmm. and he's working things out in his time. I think there's so many people that want to change themselves or change somebody they love and it takes time and it's a work of god it's a work of the holy spirit and so i think uh there's some comfort there in knowing that um uh god has not forgotten you and he and he is still working in your life so and he will bring a paul or somebody in your life to help you get that further understanding that's what i would say about acts 19 i'm glad you asked yeah you know um good well then we come to the meat of the day and uh and that's mark chapter 1 verses 4 through 11. And uh, here we have that a scene where uh, John is out in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And everybody is showing up and he says, you know, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Uh, this is a really interesting thing, I think. You know, in, um, in all four Gospels, they mention the crucifixion, the resurrection, and they also mention the baptism. Of Jesus, and uh, and I think uh, because so the question is is why on earth would Jesus need to be baptized with the baptism of repentance? And uh, I think you know one of the things that you can uh, articulate and hone out to uh, your your people is is that um, here we have Jesus identifying with us in every way. You know what I mean? He doesn't need a baptism of repentance because he's sinless. Um, but uh, he can identify with you in every way. And so he enters into the muck of our world so that we might eventually, by baptism, enter into the holiness of his life. And, uh, you know, and so here he is stepping into it. And this is, this is I think, one of the, f- why it's in all four Gospels and why it's such an important feast day in the Christian year is because here you have Jesus identifying with us in every way. Um, here he is fulfilling all righteousness perfectly. And in other gospels, he literally tells John that. John's like, I can't baptize you. And Jesus is like, let it be so now so that we might fulfill all righteousness. Yeah. And so I think this is one of those stories that I think works so much more powerfully if you can kind of paint the picture for your people Mm -hmm. uh, of what this would have actually looked like. So the River Jordan is not a very big or impressive river. It is not the mighty Mississippi. It's sort of it looks almost like an irrigation ditch. It was probably a little bit bigger then, but it was used to irrigate all these fields in the Jordan Valley. And so um, so it did kind of diminish as it flowed down from the snowy heights of Mount Hermon. Uh, but uh, what's interesting, at this river, you've got John looking wild and crazy, baptizing people. And it says, and it's a lot of people. It says, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem. So it's a ton of folks. And it says they're all confessing their sins. So you need to kind of imagine a crowd and then maybe people lined up kind of queuing to get into the water to say, I am a sinner. 
That's the point of John's baptism, to say, I am a sinner and I want to be washed clean and turn over a new leaf. And as Jake has pointed out, there's absolutely no reason why Jesus would have to do that because he's not a sinner. What he, you know, uh, we might expect Jesus surveying this scene, watching all these sinners lined up. We might expect him to come alongside John and be like, that's right, you uh, knuckleheads, get your act together. About time to get baptized. Like, that's kind of what this holy Messiah should do, right? Just starting his ministry. Just kind of add more oomph to what John is already saying. Like, fix your lives, get better. Because that's what Jesus is about, right? But Jesus does this amazing thing, this incredibly humble thing. You know, he would have taken off his outer clothes. He would have gotten in line with all the sinners, taken a number, and waited his turn to get in the water with people who are confessing their sins. So when we talk about Jesus taking our sins on him, like this is where it starts. Like this yeah. is him getting in line with all the sinful people and saying, I'm going to be one of you guys. Not because he's going to be a sinner, but he's identifying completely with human experience and he's getting into the water. Um, and it's just, the, the, and as we've just heard in Genesis, this is the word of God who made that water exist, who called it into being, it made everything exist. And now he just, from that lofty, almost inexpressibly lofty, transcendent vision of God, now to this God enfleshed, who's going to take off this garment and get into this muddy water and with all the other sinners and say, I'm here to save you. So this shows the humility of God, how he descends to our level, how he comes to rescue us, redeem us, by becoming, getting in line with all the sinners. Yeah, he doesn't shed his creation. He enters into it. And uh, that is a that is a really powerful thing. Uh, this is extremely earthy that he's mm-hmm. getting into this muddy, dirty water. Uh, like you said, it's no mighty Mississippi. Um, and uh, getting in line with all of us. And uh, because he does that, and he's baptized with us, then we get when we're baptized with him. Uh, that is the promise of the gospel. And as you come, he came up, comes up out of the water, and he hears, "You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased." Well, by golly, uh, whatever you see, whatever happens to be any feelings or senses of rejection you may have, uh, believe me, that promise is given to you as well. That's your inheritance uh, by virtue of your baptism, uh, that you are God's son as well, the beloved, and with you he is well pleased. Amen. So happy uh, first Sunday after the Epiphany, the Feast of the Baptism of Jesus by John, the baptism of our Lord Sunday, mm-hmm. and uh, make sure you preach this good news of the one who, who enters into creation to save the yeah. creation, namely you and me. Yeah, and if you, uh, uh, if you are um, doing a baptism, there's nothing wrong with like, I mean, really emphasizing, or maybe not this year, but reaffirming your baptismal covenant and really assuring people that like this stuff is this is real and mm-hmm. god works in ordinary things like water uh, you know and uh, god meets us and pours his spirit into it. i mean there is reason why paul uses that language over and over again in romans he doesn't say put he says pours his spirit into us and uh, and that's because uh, in that water we are buried with christ in a death like his, and we're raised in a resurrection like his. And so, you know, when you, you weren't, you, it, baptism for a Christian is never in the pap, pa, past tense. It's always in the present tense. I am baptized. And because you are baptized, never forget that you are 
Uh, God says, you are my son, the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Uh, that promise is for you. And uh, tell your parishioners to cling to it. Uh, because, um, well, is that is that it? Yep, and that's all you got. <laughs> but it's good enough. It's good. And it's, it's more good. than enough. Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow, Aaron. Short, short episode, but that's good. Hey, as, uh, as Martin Luther said in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, one little word shall fell him. Uh, you don't yep. need a lot and of as words. And as J.C. Ryle, as J.C. Ryle once said, we're uh, called to feed the sheep, not the giraffes. So. That's right. Keep the word down <laughs> low where they can reach it. That's right. Well, have All a right. blessed baptism of our Lord, uh, and you can do what we do. We always celebrate this. Uh, we get a punch bowl and a lot of uh, little smokies, and we dunk those tiny sausages into the punch bowl before we eat them. That's just kidding. That's not how Episcopalians <laughs> celebrate the baptism of our Lord. But maybe you can come up with a creative way to celebrate this with your children. Maybe uh, mm. um, Oreos and milk. Who knows? But whatever you do, remember Jesus was baptized, and that's mm -hmm. good news for sinners like you and me. And uh, maybe a, one last little addendum. Uh, you know, it's not about the amount of water, uh, but the promise Ooh. that come, but the promise right. that comes with it. And uh, and uh, whether it's a trickle, or whether you're plunged into, uh, you know, uh, the mighty snake, or uh, maybe the mighty Hudson, uh, or the East River, uh, where um, you're sure to get some pick something else up. Um, <laughs> Or whether you just get a little trickle, like at Calvary Church, um, it's not about the amount of water, but the promise. And uh, you get all Amen. of the promise there in Jesus' name. So sorry, Baptists, stick with us. We still love you. Yeah, they should Absolutely. come with a denominational warning at the beginning. <laughs> warning. All right. Content may be offensive to some listeners. Okay, that's all we got. Yep, we're out of here. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.